Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 22, Episode 20. The last episode of Season 22. Yeah. It was such a good time. It was. I can can remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Funny enough, I think it was in the first episode of Season 22. You might have been. I might have been. You bookended the season. I'm still trying to figure out when the season starts and stops. I think it's arbitrary. You guys make this shit up to me. Well, it's California. We don't have seasons. (laughs) Of Happy Jack's RPG (laughs) Podcast, my name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Joey. I'm still laughing. (laughs) (laughs) In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, by the way... The survey's over. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't fill it out? Missed out. Survey says... You're silenced. Over. You're not silenced. Just email us. You're silenced. Yeah. You can always email us, yeah. <laughs> uh, in this episode, Jason asks about GMPCs, NPC party members, and has a brief confession. Uh, Tom from Oklahoma writes in about pacifists and modules. Mm-hmm. And then Harold from St. Louis asks about the effects... Uh, uh, asks about effects that lock down PCs. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get to that when we get to that. But first, if you would like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, okay. all of the other cesspools that exist on the internet, we're on mm. them. Yeah. And happyjacksrpg, all one word. You can go and find us there and... Be horrible to us like you're horrible to everyone else on the internet. Because <laughs> that's what happens on the internet. And we also, we stream this show live. Friday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And we were damn near close to on time today. Are we, are we live? We're are live. live. Are you sure you're live? We're live. I don't know. You're all the way over we're there. We're live! <laughs> and you can find us at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. 7 p.m. Pacific time on Friday nights. And of course, all of our APs are as well. And I should also mention the fact that we now have three feeds. If you do not, if you have not heard this yet, you haven't listened in a while. The Happy Jacks RPG podcast, of course, our Friday night advice show that has its own feed. That's this one that you're watching right now, or listening to right now. Uh, then our APs, our campaigns, our Happy Jack's RPG actual plays. Uh, that's its own feed. And there's now Happy Jack's RPG one-shots, which is um, One-Shot Saturday, one shot and, Saturday Shadow and Shadow Con. And any other one-shots that we happen to do incidentally here and yeah. there. <laughs> I should actually put the... Uh, Ghostbusters LA on that. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. That's where it actually belongs. It's a one shot. Turns out we have a lot of one shots. Yeah, yeah. We do. We do. All right, and I think that's it. We have any other announcements? Any announcements? Going once, going twice. Oh, an American. All right. (laughs) GMPCs. Hmm. NPC party members. We do have another announcement. Oh, go. Oh, yeah. We're on Spotify. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that too. But I have another one too. A week ago, yes. I was grousing about the fact that we're not on Spotify because it's paid it was wasn't actually pay to play, but it was kinda pay to play. Yeah. You have to use these particular hosting companies in order to have your show featured in Spotify. Well, we don't use those, they use something else. So they mm-hmm. want you to give money to specific people to do that. And they were sort of the gatekeepers on getting people in. Now, anyone who went to them got in automatically, but in the last week or so, maybe while I was grousing about it last week, they created a portal to allow anyone, regardless of where they're hosted, to put their podcast in Spotify. So our podcast is now in Spotify. You can find all three feeds on there 
Yes. So there you are. Yep. So if you use Spotify and you're hearing this, I don't know how you. Well, you might be hearing it now since we're on there. But if yep. you were, if you were using Spotify before, and you, I don't know how you got the podcast, but it's there. It's there now. Go ahead. Absolutely. It's very um, and you can find all the feeds if you go to happyjacks.org. We've got links on the right hand side of all the pages where you can click on find all three feeds on a bunch of different services. Um, and we finally hit our goal for 300 reviews of the uh-huh. uh, the weekly show. Um, on iTunes, which is very exciting. So we're going to be giving doing a giveaway soon. So. And we're going to figure out how we're going to determine who's going to get that giveaway. Because yeah. we don't know yet. No, no. I think, um, yeah, we'll figure it out. There's yes. a couple of services you can actually do to do giveaways. So it, we might end up having to do something like it'll that. It'll be very easy. Yes. For us. Yes. <laughs> which and means I, I'll do it. <laughs> or well, we, don't, we don't want to, it's not like we don't want to, like the, the two sides, one epic thing. No. Where it's like, all right, we need to get six people together for the next eight hours and, and read, read all of these things. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh yeah. yeah, it was it was uh, amazing though. And we got good ones. We got we got, we got we, I read some awesome so stuff. So good. We yeah, should we do did. something like that again. I, that's more adventures I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah, it was good. Though. And a couple still stick out of my head. Yeah, they were good. Oh yeah, but it was. Well, we'll get to the. the yeah. I don't think I've ever read through a complete module. Like read really? from cover to co- no. Mm-hmm. They bore me. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. All right, all right. GMPCs, NPC party members, and a confession from Jason. Greetings, douchebags. Confessione. Confessione. I have a confessione. <laughs> that's it. <clears throat> Hardly Kino. Yep. I'd like to hear some in-depth discussion on NPCs, particularly about GM GMPCs and Mary Sue and such. We always hear about how they are a bad thing, but rarely does the discussion delve into how to manage NPCs in a way that is positive. I'd also like to hear about the same topic as it refers to using NPCs to bulk out a small group from one to three players who could use an ex- use the extra support. It's tough when someone wants to play a mage, but if I introduce an NPC fighter to protect them, often that character can dominate if they get into too many fights. In recent years, I regularly have only one to three players, but they want to play the quote-unquote common games games that are hard to plan that are hard to plan things for, and where if I DM if the DM isn't careful, they can put them in a nigh impossible situation. <clears throat> Finally, I'd like to leave off with a bad GM story, which I would carry forever as a lesson on how to not fail. As a young GM, I had a part I had a party get captured first time for the group and myself, so positive due to not just fighting and getting killed. When they were being hauled away, I presented an opportunity for the party to escape. Another good move for me, figuring out how to actually set it up. Sadly, as the party all kicked and punched and grabbed weapons from the baddies, one player had the genius idea to grab an orc from behind and use him to aim and fire a crossbow at another orc. Awesome. Epic. It was a great move, and honestly should have been given a huge bonus or just auto-success for style points. But I made the guy roll, and he failed. Stork. (laughs) <laughs> and the orc. <laughs> I've been in this situation. I'm the guy that'll kind of like think outside the box. I'm going to grab the orc and use him as a weapon, and then roll for me. Uh, Sign <laughs> Stork's friend. No. Yes. Is that me? Yep. Yep. 
they're 30 feet away. They could just <laughs> walk children. out here and ask. Yes. Um, but I made the guy roll. He failed, and the orc clobbered him. Total reversal, and that character almost died. I the player probably point. learned not to try anything fancy around me. <laughs> I didn't realize the lesson over the decade uh, when it suddenly hit me that I had failed to reward imagination and stuck to the ro- roll dice mode of the game. Yep. Let me talk about that first. I actually think having the guy make some kind of a roll is not out of line in any no, way. No, not yeah, at Everyone all. else is having to roll to punch and kick everyone. It's not fair just because someone came up with an interesting idea that it doesn't have a chance of failure. Right. But maybe, maybe lessen the, the severity of the failure. Right. Like, you caught him off guard, so maybe he doesn't clobber you, but you don't get the bonus you're going for. Right. Because if it's you, it's going to roll one. Yes. <laughs> and he did say he wanted them to get out of this situation. He set it up as right. it was supposed to be an escape. So basically what happened is, by making him roll that and he failed, he, he basically put himself back in the situation where they're almost going to be captured again. And right. he had to backpedal his way through it. Had he not said, I want them to get out of this, that, yeah, then make them roll. But... Basically, this but even is if he wants them to get out of it, the GM once shouldn't have anything to do well, with how the things are going to happen. Okay, well, what, <laughs> is, what, what does yeah, it say here? Um, uh, I, 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 come, I figured out a way to actually set it up uh, as an opportunity for the party to escape. Right. So That's fine, but you go in with all the best intentions about what's going to happen when you're the GM, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck. And that's half the fun. Right. Is seeing how they're going to fuck up your plans. Yeah, but I, I just—he's beating himself up over something that I don't think he has to beat himself up. Over. No, no. I, yes and no. I kind of—I kind of feel like he uh, set up a situation where that was going to be epic and cool and a great sort of prison break moment, and then shot himself in the foot. And one guy who can't roll dice fucked it up, right? And, and I think that that <laughs> who's you know, to blame? So, so it, it, well. <laughs> Obviously the dice. Right. No, or, or no, the cursed player. He did not do the correct <laughs> dice rituals before the game. Yes. So you guys are being sarcastic about it. This is a legitimate point. No, no, yeah. It is. I just disagree. There is no such thing as a cursed dice player. You, you've said that. So, I mean, what's... what's I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as a player who... I roll terribly. Like, I roll so bad. Yeah, I'm feeling very vulnerable between the two of you right yeah. now, actually. Yeah. I'm going the cleansing Hanging ritual. Or the after. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a minister. I can, I can so, bless you. Uh, <laughs> so, I actually, I do crazy stuff all the time. Like, knowing full well I'm probably going to fail. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, sometimes, like, counting on that. Because, to me, that makes the story more interesting. Mm-hmm. If, just because I came up with a cool idea, I succeeded, that's sort of lame to me. Like, half the fun is coming up with a cool idea and then, like, messing it up. So that, making the story more complicated. Mm -hmm. Like, whether that's, you know, something that happens to my character, like damage or something like that, or if it's just a consequence, like what happens in PBTA games a lot. Like, oh, okay, uh, you try that, but this happens to, you know, a bystander or something like that. Like, all that stuff makes, like, new layers for the game that often, like, if you just are succeeding and you're... Even if you do a cool, epic moment and succeed, it's like, oh, okay, that was a cool, epic moment. But those complications make things so much richer. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's and like... drama! It's like one of the issues with D&D that I found having playing in PBTA recently is D&D kind of very black and white. It's pass-fail. There's no mm-hmm. real gray area. And I think if you can find the ways to explore that gray area in D&D with succeeding at a cost or yeah. failing forward, it's it's a really good way of, of making it not so pass-fail. And that actually helps a lot when you roll like you guys do. <laughs> I'm not advocating to give the guy a pass. I'm really not advocating that he should he should have just... Uh, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that 
Uh, I think that he... Um, back up one more time. I've been in games where, as a stalling tactic, somebody says roll dice. Uh, I've been in games where uh, the DM doesn't know what to do next, mm-hmm. so they has you roll dice just to just to sort of all right. So that gives me a boundary to play in. Um, and if they fail, all of a sudden that boundary's gone. It's an epic fail. All right, now now we're sticking to those numbers. It was this before this was a stalling technique. Now you've actually failed. Okay, uh, I, I think sometimes that. It's a disservice to the players and the GM by making people roll when that's not necessarily the procedure for it or, or, or what you're what you're going for as a GM. In this case, yes, I could see a roll happening. I could see a grapple roll happening. Woof. Like trying to grapple this orc and subdue him to the point where you could get a hold of his weapon or make him. Yeah, well, make him what he's trying to do is he's trying to move him right. so he fires at someone else rather than whoever it was who's going to fire that, I assume. That I concede, but but and I'm assuming he failed in his role, right? So well, now yes. now a consequence has to happen because he has failed. Right, but he could have failed forward or he could have seen at a cost. And I am reminded of a saying. Well, they're I, not playing PBTA. They're but playing they, But why not incorporate those rules in Dean? They well, could. No. Well, the orc turned around and beat him down. Right. So he, he <laughs> failed he with a cost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of a saying I saw just the other day, which is uh, bad choices make interesting stories. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and this is, a, this is a gamble, this is a chance. Uh, so he, he grappled this guy. However, Ultimately, the GM said, this is going to be a prison break. This is an escape moment. And I think the GM is beating himself up because he let himself be swayed by a unsuccessful role. And I, I think that, well, I mean, it, ultimately, he's in charge. Ultimately, he's the one that's, that's laying out the story. If, if he's chooses to let them roll dice and they fail and he's and he's having a problem with it well then I, you know that's on him right on the gm yeah he's, no. he's well, see, that, i think he's beating he's himself made up them roll. he made them roll but they had a chance of succeeding yeah like, it's like it's like anytime you take a die and i tell, tell you tell hand you a d20 and says you want to do something crazy okay you need to roll a 12 or higher and it succeeds otherwise it fails right mm-hmm. We do that in games all the time. Yeah. Every yeah. other player in this game, because they didn't come up with a, 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 a out of out of the ordinary idea, mm-hmm. you want to punch him in the face, roll. Yeah. You want to kick him in the head, roll. Yeah. He's not a bad GM for doing those. Why is he a bad GM for trying to move, make the guy move? That's yeah. all I'm saying. When, when there's uh. a chance of failure, you have to roll for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, an example I can think of was during uh, Spaniard's Ghost, one of our last games. Uh, we end up fighting like this cro- giant crocodile, and I had to figure out how to kill. It. Nothing was getting through this crocodile's armor, so I took like my powder keg and threw it. Like, basically, jawed it, threw it in the crocodile's nice. mouth, and like I there you go. flint just tried to shoot the powder keg. <laughs> Did you succeed? I succeeded, but because it was one of the main bosses, it was Savage Worlds. He had a Benny, so Jib just like no. Uh. I was like. It sucked, but it was a thing that I uh, wanted. But just because I had a really thing. cool idea doesn't right. mean yeah. it should have automatically succeeded. Right. Right. Well, especially because they're playing D and D, and like in D and D combat, like there's very set rules and mechanics to keep everything balanced and fair, and that's important. That each person is like like you're saying, like rolling for their turn. Like mm-hmm. they, I'm sure they had initiatives. So it's like when they get there to one person, oh, that's a cool idea. You're the only one who doesn't have to roll. Like especially in a system like D and D, like there are systems that are a little bit more freeform where you know you can kind of fudge that a little bit. Right. But with D and D, it's really important that you follow all those rules so that it is equitable for everyone at the table. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think so. And yeah. Spork I, has a, a good point of not having I a... Do. You do, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was surprised, too. Um, Joey, how much have you had to drink? Yes, yeah. not enough. Uh, I'm still sober. <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned, like... Hiding behind dice rolls and having them roll for everything, and yeah. I think that is a problem, especially D and D, especially new GMs. Like, yeah. there are some things. If you're a thief and you're not under any kind of pressure, you should really pick that lock. Yeah. If yeah. it's a basic lock, you're a thief. You know how to do that. It's in your wheelhouse. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to roll for that. If yeah. you're under pressure or it's a hard lock, then you roll. So that was a good point. Is I don't think, but I don't think that's happening here. Mm-hmm. I think you couldn't have someone do what he's trying to do without some kind of roll. I think you could have as a player. If it were me wanting to do this. I would look at my character sheet like, okay, well, I'm not strong, but I'm fast. Can I make an acrobatics roll instead of a strength roll? Right. right. To like maneuver around him, have him like try to shoot me, but have him shoot the guy behind me. Sure. Like, Sounds so like you, you as a player, if you want to do something cool, you kind of have to manipulate you what your character your can do yeah. to do those things. If you're a bard, you go, hey, handsome. Right. You look like the kind of guy that might want to switch sides. Stop reading my playbook, Stork. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so all right. I'm done playing it. Double so advocate. I couldn't. I couldn't come up with a justification for actually playing that other side of that. It, it's <laughs> ultimately, if I were GMing this, I would make them roll as well. I, I would, and and I might make them make a grapple roll, and then of course, if it fails, again, this is where the interesting stories happen. And I would ask you to actually maybe go back and talk to your players, all those from all those years ago, and ask them if they remember this, because I think that they're going to remember it being an epic moment. They've than all become douchebag GMs. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> I learned it by watching you, okay? <laughs> I, I think that they're going to remember it being a really, what do you mean this really is bad GM moment <laughs> rather than you, you know, be, right. replacing yeah. the fact that you failed as a GM on yeah. yourself. They probably won't even remember. Yeah. Like, as GMs, we hold <laughs> our failures like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, oh my God, like badges all over <laughs> our jackets. Like, like scars. Like, oh, man. Like, every moment. And, like, I, I've done that where I've gone back to, like, and, like, like, oh God, remember when I did that thing? No, did you? I don't remember that at oh, all. I remember. Yeah, I, I re- remember when you confused XP for hit points. Should have. <laughs> like, that wow, these ghosts my are tough. Very first time GMing, and it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys still won. We did. Oh, you know what, though? Kimmy owns up to that. We, we almost got that. killed by baby ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> as well, you should. Baby ghosts. Do, 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 and here's do, do, do. The they were murdered children. Okay, they were very you're scary. S- you're yeah. still talking about the story because. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. It was a terrible moment. They all hated you for it, but they are still talking about it anyway. It's great. Oh yeah, who, who knows? The guy might go. You remember that time and, and you, you had to trying to escape and you tried to like yeah. jump onto the orc? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I got my ass handed to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was great, but everybody jumped in. And, I right. mean, and that, again, that's what the, yeah. when your sorcerer goes down the wrong corridor. Yeah. It's right. a much more interesting tale than everybody working together and defeating yet one more mm-hmm. encounter. It's great view. <laughs> okay, so GMPCs, Mary Sue's, and such. Oh, that's right. Uh, playing NPCs, um, GMPCs being a bad thing. Uh, also, uh, how to manage NPCs in a way that is positive. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of different classifications of NPCs, so maybe we should go through that. There's the GMPC, which is the one that's sort of going with the party and the GM is controlling well, them. Then there's the GMPC to me is the GM is playing his own character. Yeah, in the yeah. Game, well, okay. Which is generally a bad idea. Yes, generally. Um, although there might be exceptions. There's and then there's the sort of the the 
the NPC NPC, you know, the baker in town, which suddenly becomes important, well, and now the GM has to come up with a name. You've for got it. major, you got major NPCs, you've got minor NPCs, you've got NPCs that don't even have names. Mm-hmm. All right, so right. there's major, minor NPCs, right? And right. then there's, let's classify them that way. And then there's the the what we used to call followers, right? Or the not followers, the um, henchmen, 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 the henchmen NPCs. Yes. That's that's a D and D. That's that's a very specific D and D trope. I don't, do they even use that in Pathfinder? Uh, I don't know about Pathfinder, uh, but I know that there are mechanics in some PBTA games for um, mm-hmm. like cults and things like that. Oh, okay. So, right. um, like, uh, right so followers of yeah, some followers, yeah, the, yeah. the Queen's Click, yeah, okay. Monster Hearts, yeah. So that's <coughs> and that's three or four flavors of oh, cult right. for Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the classic M- GMPC, Mary Sue, who who is gifted with foresight and is a, is a step ahead of everybody, including right. the players. Is not a lot of fun for anybody unless unless you play that up. Unless you, as the GM, say, you know, my no, uh, you know, thirty-level roguish warrior walks in and goes, "Ha ha ha, you children! I shall I shall help you out for a price, but I shall keep my mouth shut unless you ask me questions or something along those lines, where it justifies the fact that you are playing this." overpower character to help the players out. Yes, it's not a perfect solution. Yes, it still sucks. But if this is what you want to do, if you want to bring that person in, if you want to have that happen, I don't... I can't think of another way to make it work. Well, I think an important distinction is there is a difference between a GMPC yes. and a Mary Sue. Yes, you can have true. a GMPC who's just another player, which true. again is hard to balance, but they don't necessarily right. have to be a Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think, that, I think those are two very separate problems. Like, mm-hmm. you've got the GMPC who's the Mary Sue and then sometimes you have a GM uh, who has a player character for that can cause other problems like whether they become too fixated on like that storyline beca- or that character's development rather well, the, than running the whole game to, see to, to me the GMPC yeah. is the, is the is the NPC that the GM has sort of decided to adopt and this is who the story what the story is going to be about this is the main mm-hmm. thread of the story this is not it's no longer about the player characters. Mm-hmm. It's now about my NPC. This yeah. NPC I created that happens to be my favorite. Yeah. That's what I see as a GMPC. Okay. It's when it treads into that territory. Mm-hmm. When it suddenly becomes... Because the GM is... Every PC should be a GMPC. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so to, if we're going to have a distinct a distinction between them, it has to be meaningful. Because mm-hmm. there's just NPCs, and most of the NPCs the GM's playing... Should just be NPCs. But if you're at a table, you can tell when someone's an NPC and when someone's a GNPC. Like yes. they have a character sheet, they have stats, they have right. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that would necessarily make, to, in my mind, because to me the connotation of GNPC because of so many horror stories, yeah, is negative. Well, yeah. So I've had NPCs where it's like, okay, this is a big bad. I've statted him out like an L5R. I've yeah. given him a whole character sheet. Mm-hmm. I know who this guy is. I have all of his stats and all the stuff that he can do because. When you fight this guy, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. I have to have all that prep done. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily I'm deeply involved in this character and I'm going to make sure that he beats the party up or you know outshines them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more, when I think of a GMPC, that's more of what I'm thinking of, is that the storyline ends up being more about the NPC than it ends up being about the player. Well, I think, and I agree that when you have a big battle, like that, you need to set them out and that makes sense to have a character sheet. For me, the difference is a GMPC would be also a member of the party. Yeah, that's a big, I think a big difference. That should just be a PC, but if and the it's, GM I, is playing them, they are a GMPC. The GM is playing all of the NPCs. 
Right. <laughs> but there's a difference. Right, but there's a difference once once. <clears throat> Why does the GM have to play it? Why can't well, another player that, play it? Therein lies the crux. That's or, the, or, or, because the GM just also has, wants to play. Well, in the, well, and it, there's the problem. Yeah. That's when you start to have a problem. Right. Uh, I agree. GM, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like specifically in this email, like he's talking about, hey, I've got one to three players. Sometimes they all play casters, and they sort of need a tank sometimes. Right. Like, is, is being a GNPC and joining the party... Is that an actual viable option as a GM? Should you consider doing that? Or should you, on the other side of it, flip it and just make sure their encounters are balanced for what type of of, mm-hmm. play, of party they've built? It's okay to do that as long as the GM doesn't consider that NPC to be more important than any other NPC. Right. right. I think in that case, you should take a page out of Demigods and make like the spindle. Mm-hmm. Like if you have an NPC like that, say you have a uh, party full of casters and you have one person tanking, make that one person tanking important to all the casters. Mm-hmm. For, make them somehow connected, so right. it's still a reason for him to party with them, but he doesn't have to have any major personality of his own. Right. Cousin Bob or whatever. Right. Yeah, make or, him some kind of yeah. familial or some sort of... Connection. Or he's just a higher sword. Like they, they know him, they've worked with him before, he, they hire him to go walk with them to whatever the next point is, and then he's like, all right, I'm done, see ya. Like, right. let me know when you have another job. So he's not actually involved in, like, the, the problem solving. He doesn't necessarily have, like, personal investment in the story. He's literally, like, no N- my thing. No NPC should be involved in problem solving at a game. Right, Ever. exactly. And Ever. Ever. Therein, therein is that, that's the line that gets crossed, right? I mean, it, it's fine to have an NPC, like, a company, the party, whatever, but if they start making suggestions and start affecting the story, <laughs> dude, that, that's, that's yeah. that line. I mean, it, it's... You either GM or you play. Or you play, exactly. <laughs> what a deal. You don't get to do both at the well, same time. Well, but here's the thing. Joey, uh, you were in a game where you had GMs and players that w- it was sort of... It was a very malleable kind of thing, and it worked. But they weren't GMing their own characters. Yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> okay. They were able to tag team in and out, and like, Mike, here's the focus in the scene. I can't I so can't it, be in charge. And that's exact, you take it. That's exactly why that yeah. would work, because of the fact... My character, I'm GMing, but my character is going to be important in this scene. You take over as GM, yeah, and now I'm just a player. Now I'm just a player in this scene, exactly. Yeah, and that's and I was leading up to that, but yes, uh, which is how do you make that work? How do how like that? How do you and that? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's got to be be redundant. Everyone's got to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the GM needs to be objective about it, both or the alternate GM. If you're going to have an alternate GM, they need to be objective about everything that's going on and yeah. not try to Metagame. not have any skin in the game, mm-hmm. other than making sure that the game is fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Anyway, he wants to know about how to manage PCs correctly. Mm-hmm. NPCs. NPCs. Yes. Uh, you do a good job at it, Stu. I mean, sometimes I, you even have people. Well, you've learned. I, yeah. I mean, with uh, was it Birdstaff? I think you learned a lot. Birdstaff, well, that was uh, in in a that was before we started recording. It was a long time ago. It was in a D and D fourth edition game. I bring it up Nine only because it was a huge ago. learning experience for you. Which yeah. is, let's just sum up quickly because he was he was a, a powerful mage who worked for the Archduke of the area you guys were from, mm-hmm. and it was a long time ago. And he was a very powerful character. I didn't actually make him up as a character. I never had stats for him or anything. But he's a very, very, very powerful mage. And he basically was sort of like the party's uh, Q&A guy when they had questions about the setting. Yeah. And he was also sort of the quest giver. Yeah. yeah. Initially. Yeah. And then when I realized the party got too 
dependent yeah, on him. We kept going back. We kept yeah. going. We, yeah, we can't figure out how to solve this thing. Right. We have to go back and talk to him. He'll know. Yeah. Can you tell us how to open this door? We right. tried turning yeah. the knob left and right. A and great and powerful wizard. Right. And so <laughs> I need a heart. He needs a brain. What do we do? You gave us a great and powerful wizard. Right. <laughs> Why not use them? So then when on one trip when you guys are going back to talk to him, he's been arrested yeah. because there's been a kerfuffle. And now he's in a tower. So suddenly it became, well, we got to get him out of there. He's and now you're like bread and butter. <laughs> right. So they had a big jailbreak. But and, but then then of course his 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 influence in the in the archdukedom or archduchy I guess became uh, diminished because of that. Mm-hmm. So he no longer had the authority he had, and you guys had to basically kind of go out on your own more. <clears throat> but I think having him there initially was helpful because it gave you guys a lot of insight into the setting, and it gave yes. you guys insight into the sort of the political situation, which none of you knew, no, and, I, and I didn't. I'm still not sure of it, right? But but the whole. The whole, but but when the time came, I got rid of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or I didn't. I may have killed him at well, some point I, too. I think you did. Well, didn't he turn evil? But or, no, no, he had a brother. He had a yeah, brother. He had Randite. Randite. The but, one of the goatee. But you were you <laughs> right. were in a kerfuffle, and I think the forum back in the day when we saw the forum came to the rescue, and, and you bounced some ideas off of them, and you came up with a solution because you had realized that we were using this NPC as our, our as our a crutch, right. as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, you've never done it again. No, the only problem, the the, the biggest problem uh, in L five R has always been forgetting to get the party away from the daimyo. Yes. Because once you once once there's a, your daimyo's around, you're like you on your knee, hands and knees everywhere you go. What do you need? I, I'm not going to assume anything. Yes. I'm only going to do what I'm ordered to do. I have for no ideas because you think for us, right? right. <laughs> and and. And it took it takes a couple sessions now for me to realize. Oh yeah, that's right. I got to get them away from I that guy. Get, yeah, because then they can actually be characters rather than just do, stoic samurai. Says. So um, that it, so I would say if you have any NPCs that are in positions of authority, use the authority to get your plot hook going or wh- whatever it's there for, and then make them go away and become, mm-hmm. you know, uh, untouchable or. Uh, Unavailable, and yeah. that's where I was going with that. He's because, in meetings all week because Sorry. because I uh, you've had a lot more experience with these recently than I ever have, and you've, you've done a masterful job at making sure that we don't use those NPCs as crutches since Birdstaff, right? Uh, it, and it was a, it was an eye opener for you, it was an eye opener for the forums, and for everybody. But it, it is a it is a hard learned lesson, which is uh, in the best of intentions. You know, this is the quest giver. This is the guy that's giving right. you the paper. This is the guy that has uh, some kernels of information. Exclamation point over their head. Right. right. It, it, with the best of intentions, it suddenly becomes. You, you look at the, you look at the the way it's reacting. Everybody's reacting. You're like, well, of course it's working out this way. Why wouldn't it? Oh my yeah. god! Now how do I fix this? And that's almost like like the inverse of the other problem, where it's like you know, in one case you've got the the GNPC who's the GM's playing and so invested in this character. This is like the opposite of that. Like when the party gets so invested and dependent on a character, you almost, as a GM, like you're like, well, I can't just. I mean, I can just kill him off, but it, like they're they're gonna need a little bit of like. Oh, I would say at some point you better. Well, yeah, but I mean, you can't just like all of a sudden out of nowhere. Like it, it's better to like what you did, where you did all right. Oh, he's always diminished in power. So it's like the baby steps of becoming an independent walking party. Right. <laughs> oh, right. Oh. Yeah, be crawling now. Good job. You can hold on to the couch up. and yeah, wobble around. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> now, everybody's had that experience where 
the inconsequential NPC, the the one-armed blacksmith, suddenly becomes their favorite guy. So right. whenever they go to town, they go right to the one-armed blacksmith. Now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this guy that you made up in thirty <laughs> seconds on the fly becomes their touchstone, and you have to like now flesh them out and deal with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they become your favorite as well, despite the fact that it was just a thirty seconds. All of a sudden, they're spending all this time. You've had to flesh it out. How do you, as a GM, now? You've spent a lot of work fleshing out uh, Thor and Thunderbumper, the one-armed blacksmith. <laughs> wow. How do you now... Yeah, Thunder- you, you made that. That's in the world now. <laughs> Thunderbumper. <laughs> Am I the only one picturing Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> Nuh-uh. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm here. He's definitely Chris Thor and Thunderbumper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever. But, but, anyway. but how do you now not be invested in that down NPC as a GM? I don't think there's a problem being invested in an NPC right. as long as they don't join or affect the party. Yeah. Okay. If they don't lead the party somewhere, if they don't join the party, you can have NPCs that you are absolutely in love with and want to see nothing but good things happen for. Right. They're going to be a really fun tool for the GM to fuck with to get the party and, to do things. And that's kind of the brass ring the GM's looking for the, the whole time anyway. Yeah. They want, I mean, it. You never know which character it's going to be, mm-hmm. but GM as GM, I love it when the players suddenly become in, invested in a in an NPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, they, someone that they like, especially if it, if they get if they see them more and more, your characterization of them becomes more concrete. It's like uh, what's his name from um, Thorn and Thunderbumper? No, Mo, from Moda Sin. Oh, um, the uh, the 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 crazy guy, right? That no, the, one. No, there the, a couple of them. The guy, a bunch the, of them. No, the, the the Nosferatu that sort of took Scully's place. Calvin. Oh, uh, Calvin. Calvin, yeah. Calvin. It's like, it's like I, I played Calvin a couple of times, and people were amused by it, and so they would, you would call, you know, the, whoever, no, you, uh, it was when uh, Riley, yes. Sam, was Prince. Yeah. Oh, was yeah, Prince. yeah, She would call him and have him go do things. Okay. So I got to solidify the, his characterization more, mm-hmm. so he became consistent. A lot of times they aren't. Yeah. And 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 so he became a more real character. Yeah. And then and he was kind of funny. And he had a thing. He he had a thing for Jesse's character. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he. But he was also obsequious, and also felt that he was quite the ladies' man, even though he was like, you know, four foot two. I I'd say that you had. In fact, we talked about this. I think you had a lot invested in him. You actually liked him. Would would you classify him as a GMPC? No. Did he ever take over the story? Well, because yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. A GMPC no, like participates in the story like a party member. Yeah, actively so, participates. Yeah, like they're going along, they're fighting in the fights and the combats, which some PCs do, but they are actually like they're involved. Like when the party's talking about, hey, how do we solve this problem? They're like, oh, I have an idea. Let's do this, and you're like, well. You know the answer. To, never mind. I'm not going to say that right. loud because that's metagaming, I guess. Hey, Calvin, how do we fix this yeah, problem? Exactly. I don't know. Okay, exactly. That's usually what he said. That's the right answer because, like, <laughs> Stu knows one of the right answers. Like, ideally, there's no one right answer to a problem anyway. But, like, the GNPCs are, like, often brainstorming or trying to suggest or come up with ideas. Or, I, the one thing that I've seen them used for the most. I've actually never seen it in a Happy Jacks game specifically, but it's like railroading the party down the correct path. Right, right. And that's what they're most often used for. And when I've played in some games at cons and stuff like that, it's like, here is my truth teller who will tell you, no, that's a terrible idea. We must do it this way. And then the GM gets to tell their story that they probably have written on their computer at home and have submitted to publishers and it's been rejected by multiple publishers exactly. at this point. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so We're not bitter. Not bitter. I, I mean, I, 
I'm not better about that. I think. I mean, like with like like Calvin had, he had use for the party because he was a busybody. Mm. Right. He liked to go around and bullshit with everyone. Yeah. So he's constantly wandering on the island, and he can make himself invisible, so no mm-hmm. one knows where he is. And he can go and he, so he knows a lot of stuff that's going on. So if you need to know something, he can probably tell you. Just have to put up with him. Yeah. And you don't know what his other motives might have been as well. Right. Well, yeah. That was it. You know, it's a vampire game. You never can right. trust anybody. Right. Very right. I don't. Did, did we give enough of the positive of NPCs? Yeah, well, I, I feel like he's mostly talking about like the like an NPC who has to be in the party for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like he specifically gives the example of the tank to protect the, <coughs> the ma- all mage party <coughs> and stuff like that. So he's actually asking how how do I balance members that? Of the if party. I if I mechanically need to have a PC an NPC in the party, how do I balance that and not and Make- not become a a GNPC. I would make them mercenaries. Yeah. I would just That's a great idea, make, make Sue. Them, make, yeah. What? Was I outside when you said that? No. You were right there. <laughs> was you I? You were sitting okay. right there nodding at me when I said, okay. hey, make him a hide right. room as a sword. Yeah. Remember? No. You could reenact it. Okay, you go ahead. I just did. Yeah. And scene. Go. <laughs> Do you remember I mean, am I crazy? Do you remember I the movie no, The, the Seven Gorges of Sinbad? You remember? remember or maybe it was like, there were like two or three of them. Yeah. My point being that there was like a prince in a mask. Right, and he was slowly being turned into a monkey, I think, and he did nothing. Their whole point was to escort this guy, like, to this fountain where he would like get get cured, and he was pretty much an NPC. He was like, he, he knew stuff, and he would tell them, "We need to get into there." And, oh, this is a puzzle, but he didn't do anything. Right, and I, it's it's a terrible old movie, <coughs> but I I kind of, I kind of think sometimes. Uh, if if the party needs that tank, if they need that thing, the GM just needs to play it as do whatever the party asks you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. like pick up your sword and fight these orcs. Yes, but if they ask you for information and stuff, you basically have to play dumb. I don't know. Right. I, I mean, unless they pay the price, or unless it's like, hey, what do I get? Or I like, don't even know if I'd run to go down that path because then it's going to be like a vending machine of solutions. Right. Yeah, but I put mean, a like, quarter in the fighter and see if he knows anything. Right, but, <laughs> but like Calvin had a lot of information. Yes, so, that, that particular yes, yes. I mean, so you can have NPCs that are very valuable that have a lot of information, but they can't just be like uh, you know they, they can be a vending machine. That's what they need to be. Like you have to give them something to get what you want out of 20% it. Twenty percent of the loot. Yeah, and if you try and shake it, it's going to fall over and murder you. So, <laughs> so, so don't, don't do that. <laughs> uh, no, but I think you're talking, talking about two different things. You're talking about like an, an NPC who's a resource <laughs> yeah. versus an NPC who's part of the party. Right. That's right. not. And I think the the key, and you guys are kind of, I'm, I feel like I'm just repeating what you guys are saying, but make them a subordinate of the PCs. Mm-hmm. Make them sworn to the PCs for some reason. Make them so they have to follow or the PCs. Or working for them, yeah. Yeah, they have to follow the PCs' orders, so that way, when you guys are talking, have them fade in the background, unless you call on them, and then maybe they're a fighter <coughs> from a region, and you're going into that region. Maybe give them a knowledge role. You yeah. can use them as a resource then, in those specific instances. Right. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they're just there to soak damage. Yeah. Right. That's their job. Yeah. When I ran uh, the 1920s demigod one shot a few weeks ago, I had a, a completely accidental PC or NPC that I made named Dorothy, who I ended up falling in love with, like completely. But like that was one of the things. Like 
like I couldn't give them too much information. And she was she was a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> oh, you're gonna fight? I'm gonna go now. I watched that, like, and you right. nailed that that so character. Fun. It was suddenly that I didn't know I could do that voice. Was I was awesome. like very excited. It was but, awesome. But that, I think that like it was it, like I was very cognizant the whole time of even though I was having fun playing that character, and I was super tempted to have her like there all the time. Like okay, no, like she can't be too helpful. Like right. there's got to be things she doesn't know or she's not ready to tell them yet. Because right. you know if you have a, a an NPC you're playing and the party gets along with them and they trust them and they you know you can it's really easy to just kind of get wrapped up in that part of it. But if you're giving them all the answers and they're you know it's at that point just get someone else to do. And that is a good point. It is an easy trap to fall it into. It is. It's super tempting. And it's super tempting. And it's and you before you know it, Calvin becomes a GMPC before you even knew that it happened. You're like two sessions later, right. you're like, oh my god, what have I done? <coughs> uh, it's <coughs> because we're all players and we all want to tell a great story. It is a really, it's a really fine line. And I, depending on the system and depending on the situations, even your that NPC could give away too mm-hmm. much. It's I, I don't have any way to say this is too much and this is not too much. Depending, it's situational. But uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it can be. Um, it can be dangerous. If, if you're starting to think it's too slope. much, it's already it's too late. There, yeah. <laughs> you, you've already gotten past it. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you topic. very much, yeah. Jason, yeah. for the email. Pacifist and modules from Tom in Oklahoma. Oh! Oklahoma, where the wind comes down the plane. Now we got to pay her tax. <laughs> Howdy, folks. I guess I'll go. Yeah. Um, had a quick story about a, path- a pacifist character for you. Back in college, I ran a game of Star Frontiers. Well, you're old. Star Frontiers. Tears, tears, tears. I said it kind of like that. No? I didn't do the echo. All right, I failed. That's right. And one, uh, and one person decided she wanted to be a pacifist. I thought it was cool and encouraged her to do so. She was the medic, but uh, but also didn't want to just be a heel bot. So she geared her character with all the cool non-lethal weapons the game had to offer, like tangler grenades and so forth. Tangler but grenades. she was absolutely 100% dead set against even causing a single hit point of damage to anyone. This is where <coughs> it gets funny. At some point, the group decided that they needed to beat someone up for the for appearances' sake, and in an, an incredible twist, they told her that she had to do it. She resisted, Whoa. but they said that since she was the medic, she'd be able to make sure to not actually hurt them too much. Whereas they, <coughs> being practicing all kind of vi- kinds of violence, might just slip up and kill the poor bastard by accident. <laughs> Thus, it was the pacifist it's who literally point. hadn't hurt a fly for the seven or eight months we've been playing. Uh, uh, beat the ever-loving crap, beat the ever-loving crap out of a fellow player character as a ruse to get into the big bat's good graces. But didn't kill him. Didn't kill him. <laughs> you know what though? That's the party having revenge on the massive right. Yeah, anyway, I wonder. Like, it's clearly the the play, the character didn't want to hurt anybody. I wonder how the player felt about it. Because right. like, I can easily see being that person who's played, you know, not pacifist, but not obviously combat-heavy characters in a game right. like D and D. It's mm. like. Oh, you just want to see me do this. Uh, <laughs> I can certainly see the other players seeing this person just throw monkey wrench after monkey wrench after monkey wrench <laughs> right. in every situation and every combat, and now they're like, oh, it's your turn now. <laughs> Moving on. That's actually an email. I'm not just saying this. Right. Yeah. Okay. I get the appeal of the free-flowing sandbox-style game, but I have some non-proactive players, and I like pre-written adventures. Worse yet, I still love the old <clears throat> D&D modules from the bottom of my cold black heart. I had it in my head to run N1 uh, against the cult of the reptile god in Savage Worlds. I want to ca- I want to keep some old school sensibilities while I, uh, while also trying to build on what I've heard from the podcast and bring some new characters in uh, character development in. 
N1 feels like a good good one to start with because the NPCs um, in Orlane have all uh, all have quick personality sketches associated with them, and I think I can make them feel real. I may be uh, I'd maybe like to build on Orlane as a campaign base after the core adventure is done, and it'd be cool to build relationships there. But at the same time, I'm not sure there's anywhere to go afterwards. I guess I'm saying that I like the flushed out feel of Orlane. I'm probably saying that wrong. I think I might be saying that wrong, but I, I, I think so you're okay. Yeah. But the adventure <clears throat> feels like it uh, exists in a bubble universe, and I'm not sure what to do with that. I know this group doesn't seem to do modules much, but I'm asking anyway. <coughs> what are your thoughts on running pre-written adventures and expanding outwards once the central bit is done? Thanks, Tom from Oklahoma. Uh, burning neuron on the Discord. Um, th- this is where I wanted to say I. I Except maybe like the first time I ran D and D, and I used like the sample um, dungeon in the back of the book. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever run a pre a, a pre made adventure. I think I've always come up with my own. Except maybe that very f- first one or two times. Mm-hmm. So I have zero advice to give you on how to <laughs> <laughs> on pre made. Kind of with him. I love them, but I tend <clears throat> to take them and, and tear them apart and repurpose them. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, when I was running D&D, would always have one in my back pocket just in case things went somewhere else and suddenly that dungeon becomes a sewer or the wizard tower right? or uh, the labyrinth becomes the, the entrance to the castle only because it had a map, it had pre-gen NPCs, it had situational moments, it had traps already worked out for me that I did not <coughs> have to come up with on the fly. It was just mm-hmm. mostly maybe for my own, like this is, I've got this here just mm-hmm. in case things go right. sideways right. that I can pull from. Uh, and that's how I used them. I mean, yeah, back in the day it was kind of fun. It was like, we're going to run this module. And you kind of did it like, like we do a video game now, which is just, you would just, you had the characters and you would know yeah. full well that you're doing a module and people would look up and proudly read from the box text and we'd all go, ooh, that's ooh, cool. Right. Yeah. But but that's how what we did. It was oh, yeah. none of this like, you know, immersive stuff. It was basically playing a video game. We're basically clicking on the, the quest giver. We're going into the moment and we're reading the box text. Okay, now there's a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I had no problem with them when you approach it that way. It's only when you feel like it's like a bait and switch. Yeah. Which is, mm. you think you're going to get into this really great adventure and suddenly pull, somebody pulls out a whole adventure and starts reading box text. You're like, dude, what the hell? I think that's all right, though. I mean, uh, I've done this a couple times. Tyler uh, really likes, and, and, and back in the day, used to run uh, Pathfinder adventures. Right. So yeah, he was running the Adventure Path, I think they called it. Yeah. Adventure, adventure Path? One of them, and then... A series of like 12 adventures or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that one, and then he also did uh, the pirate one that mm-hmm. he did was also uh, a, a prepackaged adventure. And I think both of those eventually spun out. We kind of like finished them. We're like, well, we're still having fun. So like we kind of just kept playing. We kept the characters. Right. It, it's... It's really neat because like the world's already built yeah. for you, and you have like this history that you can kind of call upon, and pe- like people might have heard of you because you you know saved them from blah blah blah. <coughs> um, and so so it is like a good like kind of booster seat to creating your own world. Mm-hmm. So you've already got like the basic mechanics there. You've got the the shared understanding of the culture of the world. Often all the things you need. Well, the, the parts of the world they're in so far. <laughs> but yeah, and, and he's talking about a module, and modules and adventure paths are pretty different. Adventure are, paths, oh. oh, yeah, module is like an adventure. Yeah. Right, yeah. no, it's I've, a night. we've done those too. But a, a adventure path is usually, oh. there's a lot of travel involved, right. and there's, and there's like 10, 12 sessions. Yes. Usually. Usually. But, but both modules and adventure, like, still have 
I mean, while there's not as much information for a standalone module, you at least have the same basic yeah. basis for everything. And I th- I Usually, you've got someone who's given you the, the the quest. You've gotten some like you've got your bird staff, whoever they happen to be. Right. Usually in the module, right. um, and then you know they or they do unless you're doing just a straight dungeon one. Which Sometimes, well, yeah, see, yeah. M- most of the ones that I've seen, <clears throat> the last time I looked at them, I mean, they were literally were dungeon modules. But yeah. isn't there usually, like, at least the and ones I, I play, there's a, usually at least one character who's like, "This is why you're doing this," or it's like a not no, necessarily, really? no, 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 especially no, it's story. I mean, the first one, was anti-story. Yeah. The first one I played <laughs> in was the Caves of Chaos, or I think 2.5 or 3.0, and yeah. it was literally just, "Here is an adventure. You're in this city, going to these caves. Here's what's in those caves." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I think if you're going to use the module to to build, basically build out a, a whole. Campaign. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way I think most mm-hmm. campaigns start anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you start out with some sort of small adventure hook. Yeah, you, some idea to some quest, draw them into thing. into the world somehow, and then and then you just take it off from there. When you're when you're when you're running a regular campaign, you've got some idea what the world is. Probably not the whole thing, but you got some idea. In this case. If you got a, if you got a module, now I, I'm not familiar with N1. I don't remember the N series. I, I only I only remember a few of them. Barrier Peaks. Um, there was the no, Lolf no. ones. I remember those. Verbabonk comes. I don't remember Verbabonk. I don't know that. That sounds like a joke. It does. It was one of the towns in Greyhawk, and then had a module around it. That sounds like someone who has sex with an herb. Verbabonk. Uh, Verbabonk. Anyway, it. Why Thorn and Thunderbumper lives there? I was just going to say that. <laughs> I'd like to go there, please, and thank you. <laughs> but I, I think if you take the, whatever scant information it gives you in that adventure, <clears throat> extrapolate from that, mm-hmm. and because I mean, you're, you're basically going to be building out the same way someone is going to be building out a campaign world. But you're instead of starting with a concept for the world, you've only got clues that you have from this. Adventure. Does this adventure take place in an ancient temple? Is it an ancient temple to a god that doesn't exist anymore? Who were the people that 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 worshipped this god? Outside of this temple, are there ruins of the people who used to live here? Who lives there now? And they they spin off of it. They spin out of that. And 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 you can basically slowly, I guess, expand the world through that. There's going to be a lot of pulling stuff out of your ass. Well, yeah. Well, maybe only after the adventure what, what, is done. Yeah, what, is it, what does any GM do when they're coming up with a world? <laughs> and, and to be fair, it's an old ancient ruin. It could just, you know, with the times passed on. So what oh, sure. there is... Yeah, it could be buried in the middle of a jungle somewhere. Right. And, well, and, it's, go ahead. You know, it's funny because he mentions here that there's not really much of the world outside of Orlane that's built into this adventure. Right. That seems like a blessing more than a curse. Yeah. You can literally put it anywhere. Mm-hmm. If there's sure. nothing else around it, you can literally plop it anywhere in this world you want to create. And have anything else happen to them outside of this adventure? On the back of a giant disc on a bunch of elephants riding on a space turtle. That would That's be oddly specific. We don't have to pay. Uh, do we have to pay for that? No. no. I I like modules for a couple of different reasons. First of all, that it's a nice security blanket as a GM if some, if they go sideways. Second of all, if you're learning a system, yeah. Like back mm-hmm. in the day, we didn't know how to run D and D. There were no videos. Oh, there was no. no. You would go There's to no cons and watch a bunch of nerdy people sweat and not make good decisions and such. But these modules were almost a roadmap on <laughs> like showering in the morning. How is that any different than cons now? Uh, it's a lot less sweat now. And we have better. better. They, sh- uh, they, they showered less. Oh, was, I ever tell you about the guy that smelled like salami? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but the, the, um, these were kind of roadmaps on how to set up an adventure, what a what a dungeon map looked like, and what was expected. You know, each right. room or whatever, and because I learned a lot 
for better or worse, reading these modules to glean how to create a, a, an adventure. And maybe for better or worse, that's still how games, even video games, are set up, is kind of in that module format, which is you enter a room, there's dialogue that the, the, the guy says, and there's some traps somewhere, and now you have to, and you know, the cutscene's over, and now you have to go. It's it's a trope. <laughs> it's what it's how the games are played. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I get you. Um, I don't have any more advice on how to expand. Yeah. Do you have any more advice? Steal from you? other ones. <laughs> I don't have if, any more. If you only have one <clears throat> module, steal from other modules. Clump them together I, into a world. I, yeah, that I, makes sense. <laughs> crib from them and such. I, as much as I love to read the, the box, the dialogue box, and I really love to read it, I, it's okay sometimes to take a break, read the dialogue box, and then come up with your own. It's okay to say, give me a second, and then read that paragraph, digest well, it, and then say it. You don't have to say is that our own right bias? Now. Is that our own bias from having played so many adventures Maybe, that had box text? I think the problem is that people start to read and okay, so he looks at you with red eyes and it's, what happens is uh, yeah. your your you, the way you're the way you're describing the scene breaks your del- down. Your delivery turns See, I I think that's okay though cuz there are also people who like struggle with just coming up with stuff mm-hmm. and they might sound like that when they're coming up with stuff. So I don't think there's any shame in using the box text. No. I think, and right. sometimes they're really well written. And I've seen ones that, like I've, like, oh, okay, I'm going to remember that because that's really well done. So. I have a hard time reading it. Like I, I guess, I guess it's because you whole, are a theater. I guess it's that, that. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say it's that conundrum between auditioning and acting. Auditioning is a separate skill. Yeah. And a cold read from a box text <clears throat> is a separate skill than actually running a game. But I think the the mistake there is doing it as a cold read. Right. Okay. Why oh, yeah. wouldn't you read the adventure beforehand, know that's coming, and maybe if you know you have a problem pronouncing or reciting it, maybe practice it. Maybe know the things that you want to emphasize in the room and hit those words harder. Yes, and that kind of still goes into what I was saying, which is take a moment, read the box text, and then but take your own spin on it. Why are you taking a moment at the table when you should have taken that moment like an hour, at least an hour ago <laughs> when you were doing your prep for the game? Because sometimes in the Prep's dungeons there's, back, there's 60 rooms, man. All right. I right. can't memorize every room. I'm not asking you to memorize, yeah. but you just know what's coming. But I think you guys... Okay, and I, I'm a teacher. I teach people how to read every day. Um, I think there's also like... Like we're kind of spoiled in our friends group. For what reading abilities, like like we practice reading a lot. We we are actors. We do all these things. Um, even if we're not actors, we pretend like we're actors. Um, you know, like there's a lot of people out there who can't or, or or don't have the inclination to read things that way. You could still be an amazing GM and read the sure. box text just like Stork read it, and you know that is just fine. That's perfectly acceptable. I bet your players are fine with it. Like. You know, if you feel inclined to practice, no problem. I think we should have a box text writing contest. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh, my oh God. I like that. Oh. oh my gosh, yes. Describe this room. <gasps> oh this that is right so yes. good. <laughs> oh my and then God. we get to read them live on air, right? Yeah, sure. Yes, oh I like God. this. I am in. Now, does each one of us get to read the same paragraph? Oh, I don't know. Just pass it around. No, 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 no. We know. We know. It's contest. We're gonna read the the top five. Well, I know, but do you read the paragraph and then she reads it? Then I read it. And <coughs> no. See how different people read the paragraph. Stuart just wants to show he's the best. Well, no, no. I I the contest. The contest is for them writing it, not for okay. us yeah. reading it. All right. 
Because <laughs> my, my contention is... Never mind. <laughs> Beat this dead horse. The, All right. the only other advice I can give on building a world... Stu kind of hit on it a little bit as far as like taking what's given and expanding on it. I'm for me, but for me, I would take a look at it as if the the scenario or the uh, module was a character. Because mm. yeah. when I build a character, I'm like, okay, great, my character good at this, they're good at that, this is what they are. Why are they like that? That's how I build my backstory. Oh, there That's, you go, right. So maybe build a backstory for your world based on what you're given in the module. I like that. Exactly. And to be fair, <clears throat> modules really are characters. I mean, it's the, I've been thinking of the whole Ravenloft thing. Originally, it started out as sort of a haunted house thing run by a vampire. I was, I had abandoned me by the time we were able to whole came thing. But it, it, they, it became an integral part, and yeah, it, it's. Tomb of Horrors. To, okay. Yep. That's got character. Yeah. Let's <laughs> 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 tell you about the time that a Tomb of Horrors drinking game. A Tomb of Horrors drinking game? That sounds like a fantastic idea it for a drinking great. game. It was great. We, uh, we yeah, everyone this... rolled up 12 characters. Well, no, no. <laughs> we, we, uh, we took this quiz that's online somewhere. You can find it. It's like a 350-question quiz. And you're supposed to end, at the end of it, it tells you what you would be in D&D, your race, your class, and your stats. And then what room you would die in in Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. But we, we took that quiz, and we had characters built in 2.0 that were based like that. <laughs> then a GM ran us into a horrors, and every time your character died, yep. you could take a shot to come back to life. <laughs> I like this. I like this. It game was great. Can this be a con game? <laughs> and there was this nice bottle of single malt, so I, said, I kept jumping into the spirit of annihilation. <laughs> well, over and over the funny thing was, one of my friends ended up rolling up a paladin, which a paladin is great in normal situations, except in the Tomb of Horrors, where right. everything is, you don't really fight or tank anything, it's all pass-fail, right. it's instant death or not. Right. So he had nothing to do, so he started literally tanking our drinks. Because <laughs> of course I was playing a bard Because of course I was right, Even course. on a quiz I come up a bard um, <laughs> I know And I'm like I can't drink anymore I've died too many times tonight And so he just started Tanking my drinks <laughs> for me That's awesome Because he's not going to be Doing anything anyway. Right He doesn't need to be conscious yeah. <laughs> That's, That's hysterical awesome. That's amazing <laughs> That's a good story It's great I loved it I would do it again In a heartbeat That's fantastic did we, did we help you? I hope we hope. I hope we helped you, Tom, from Oklahoma. Maybe I think so. I think there's just expand out. I mean, I, when I when I started the Elden Me game, I had one city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a map. You did. And it's I had sort of a coastline. some name. It was a coastline with yeah. a little mountain range yeah. over here, and I had a couple of cities with some names. Nothing decided about what was anywhere. It was yeah. pretty much like San Jose to to, to L.A. That was yeah. pretty much the area. Exactly. Yeah. And and I just came up with the idea for the city that the party started in because the first adventure was going to take place in the city. Mm-hmm. It was going to have I don't remember remember what it was about, but it was fighting I don't know, bandits or something. And and then from there they decided well, we're going to we're going to go over here. It's like oh okay well that'll be next week after I figure out what's over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like what did I write down? Oh it's a place. Okay um, what would that place be like? So it's basically the same thing. You're starting with instead of starting with your, your opening city, you have a city name and maybe have a little bit of a description of the city, but then you have the you know the, the, the your initial adventure, and just move on from there. And just uh, use as much of that adventure to inform what the rest of the civilization is like. I think it would be a, a kind of a fascinating thought a thought game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I again, I, I always say that that thing could exist outside of that as well. It could be a, a Cthulhu ancient. Oh, temple sure. that uh, from a, from you know it's like or the equivalent of a Mayan temple or Aztec temple. It's just been there a long time. Civilization has moved on, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with dropping those in now and again. They don't actually have to be part of your current world. You can just drop them in as a random thing. It's just uh, you know it's non-Euclidean geometry. It's you walk in, it's very weird, and it's a whole different thing. Right uh, from a time past. 
this is not not related. What about ten candles with flaming shots? When you have to extinguish a candle, someone takes a shot. That's a lot of work. I think I, we've talked about that a couple times. I, the problem is you have to keep the shots burning yeah, the entire time. Right. And that all the alcohol is going to cook off. Yeah. yeah. And so then you're, you're just... Be, you're drinking some kind of blech, liqueur yeah. with a I, bunch of soda wanna, in it. I don't want to be responsible for endorsing this because there's going to be a lot of burned down garages throughout uh, the nation if we say, yeah, go, go for it. Or we it. could just have shots next to each yeah, candle. Yeah, candle. And right. then light the shot just before. Well, the point of ten candles is you have, you're only lit by the light of the candles. So right. the light slowly goes out as the game goes on. Exactly. Exactly. Right, but so if you're just right if not you lighting the shot until you have to take the shot. Well, maybe maybe instead of extinguishing the candle, you take that to light your shot, and then you, and then it goes out. So you get a little flare of bright light, and then it yeah. Goes. Oh, that could be. And so your candle fun. right before you extinguish uh, or, or maybe it, not light the alcohol on but fire at all. Yeah, just drink yeah. the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just take a shot, have a candle. But don't blow out the candle after drink the alcohol. Just. Well, if you're supposed to, that's it part of the mechanics. How proof it is. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> if it's 151, probably not. No. no. <laughs> I don't know. Live your life. Never happened. Yeah. You'll be you. Yeah. You'll be you. Good, good plan. Uh, not, when, not when you've been drinking 151. Don't be you. Don't be you. <laughs> <laughs> don't be that guy. Be, you can be you. I don't don't know if anybody guy. can be themselves or drink 151. No. Or maybe are they their true self, Joey? Maybe oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was. Uh, I was trying to find a pun in there, that. and it was, it, the Rolodex failed me. No, it's fine. Oh, just reference to current events. Yeah. Sorry. Um, turn loss for players from Harold in St. Louis, or St. Louis, if you're from certain areas that are nowhere near St. Louis. <laughs> Who is St. Louis anyway? What's St. Louis the, the saint of? Arches. St. Louis was the seat of arches because yeah. of the... All right. Yeah. All right. And Muddy it's Rivers. as good as anything. I don't remember He's the patron saint of Muddy Rivers and arches. Damn it. I'll and Cardinals. All right. And, and Cardinals. St. <laughs> Louis Cardinals. Yeah. And, I know. I got a sports reference. Yeah, and very flat landscape. Okay. Except for the Ozarks. He's the patron saint of flat lands with small mountains. <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody start reading. <laughs> Uh, I guess I will because uh, uh, Joey's giggling. Dear Jackers, happy or otherwise. We had something come up in our D&D game recently and I wanted your input. Okay. To set the stage, our adventuring party of five players includes four magic users, so we've got a lot of mojo at our command. More importantly, three of these players, a wizard, a warlock, and a sorcerer. Wow. And and another name for a wizard uh, have counterspell. <laughs> Those are three very different things. <laughs> yes, they are, especially in five e. Very different classes. <laughs> yes, it's like a mathematician, a statistician, and an accountant. It's more like an it's anthropologist, a, a paleontologist, a and those are three different <laughs> things too. <laughs> spelter or spelter. All right, spelter. all right. So uh, mages are easy. The uh, three of these players uh, have a. Oh, when count- I play them. This is important, guys. Yeah. Listen to this. All right, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. A, a wizard, a warlock, and a sorcerer walk into a bar. Oh, God. That's not what it says. <laughs> they have a counterspell available. Yes. All of them. Yes. Our GM has expressed frustration about this in recent sessions. Oh, he, has sent out I magic, feel he has sent out magic-wielding NPCs to battle, only to find them counterspelled into futility. He's complained that it's difficult to challenge us in combat, and not much fun on his part. Aw, wah-wah. So... His interesting enemies can't actually do anything interesting. At our most recent session, our party was ambushed by a large group of mercenaries, which included a corresponding mage for each magic-using PC, and each NPC just happened to be loaded up 
with Counterspell. As you can imagine, the PC mages spent a lot of time watching their spells fizzle. We survived the encounter, though it might have gone better, and the caster's best spells been lo- had the caster's best spells been allowed to go off. Adversarial GMing aside, what do you think of the role of such effects should be in games? When I run games, I've stopped using effects that would completely shut down a PC. Paralysis, confusion. Uh, excuse me. Paralysis, confusion. Uh, uh, I'll back up. I've stopped using effects that completely shut down a PC. Paralysis, confusion, sleep, etc. The GM controls the entire world, but the players control one character. And losing control of the character means sitting back and watching other people play for long stretches out of time. I've never been a player... I've never seen a player enjoy that, especially in combat-focused game like D&D. But, at the same time, is it fair to expect the GM to remove all these options from his toolbox? Especially in a game like D&D, where the players can be very powerful and the difficulty of encounters can be narrowly defined. If you're playing a murder hobo game, this might seem like you're taking a lot of your most interesting options off the table. Where do you draw the line, Jackers? Harold, St. Louis, Mo. This is... He brings up a lot of good questions. Well, I think the first problem is you're trying to fight magic with magic. Yeah. I mean, if no, it's common or not common. I don't mean to sound pretentious uh, at this point in time. <laughs> um, it's, from what I've known from playing D&D, the easiest way to kill a mage is with an archer. Mm. A oh, distant... Yeah. yeah, that... So if you're trying to deal with mages, you throw range attacks at them. Not mm. magic range attacks, but normal range attacks. Mm-hmm. If you throw magic at a mage, they know how to fight that. That's kind of how they, they do their thing. Especially when they all have counterspell. Right, exactly. Right. So if you know that's a problem, then don't let them... They can't counterspell an arrow. No. No. No, they can't. Um, see, I, I, I think it's okay to use spells like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, like uh, they all have counterspell. If you've got stuff that's going to uh, par- you know, paraly- uh, paralyze them, confuse them, things like that, like, like it sucks as a player, but most of that stuff has a... A li- a, like they have a, a save roll they can do, like they roll against will or whatever it is um, to release them. Most of them have like, oh, it's good for X number of rounds, stuff like right. that, depending on what, what game you're playing. So it's not like forever. It's not like you're taking their agency from them as a player and making decisions for them. You're not, you It's know. just like if you hit him in the head and then yeah, knocked him out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not taking away your agency. I hit yeah, you in the head. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I think that's absolutely fine in a fight. Yeah. I, I think that seems... No, no, no problems there. That's what mages do. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it, you don't you don't say, "Oh, you sh- your fighters shouldn't hit people in the head." Yeah. No, they're no. they're by nature controllers. They yes. control the battlefield. Right. Yeah. Let them do it. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, but I, you know, I I was, I was reading through this. I had flashbacks to my old GURPS fantasy game, mm-hmm. and because I had a party of what four or five four or five players, three were mages. Oh. And and. A lot of character advancement happened, yeah. and some of these characters could cast like teleport without a, a, a second of concentration. So they oh, could yeah. basically just disappear at will whenever they wanted to. Mm. Have to make a roll, but they're rolling like sixteen or less or seventeen or less on thirty-six, mm. and so it was. It became almost impossible to actually threaten them, right? Because they were really power. They're three really powerful, well-built mage characters, right? And a bunch of spells I came up with 
to sort of counteract them mm-hmm. and beca- be a threat to them ended up making it in GURPS Grimoire. Oh, you were talking about this a couple of episodes Teleport ago. Teleport Trace. Yeah. I came up with that, that spell. If you, if you have Gr- the old GURPS Grim- Grimoire book, it's in there. Teleport Trace. I came up with that spell because I was pissed off at my party. Because <laughs> we, after, we, after we finished that campaign, uh, one, of the, one of the guys in the group wrote out all of the, all of the information mm-hmm. for all the spells. Yeah. And we submitted them. So and that's how it ended up, I and mean, we're credited for it. Too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, but it is having a a, a mage heavy party um, in D anD D probably not so much because I don't recall there being a whole bunch in fifth edition a whole bunch of non combat spells. There is a decent amount. Are yeah. there? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't remember. Maybe just no one took any of them. Well, yeah, well, there's a yeah, lot nobody. of the enchantment stuff color spray color all the color spells mm-hmm. are all kind of disabling spells sleep right. paralysis mm-hmm. there's a light spell hold no person about, hold monster i'm talking about like not in combat at all like like utility spells you would use outside of combat well, you can use all those in outside well, of combat yeah but he, I know but you can also use them in combat like they've got the dual purpose there right i'm i'm talking about compel truth or something like that mm. You know, you know what? I, I don't yeah, those you tend to fall. I mean, there's zone of truth things like that. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I left here, I know. Maybe forgive me if you guys already tried over this, but when I left, when I left, uh, you were talking about well, he's got the way he's approaching this this party is like he he has to have a mage to counter the mage. To my mind, the best way to counter mages is, is an archer. That's, <laughs> that's, that's exactly, exactly what he just said. That's yes. exactly yeah, what yeah. I said. It's like so, so your GM is approaching this completely wrong. He's, he's like trying to make this balance. He's got this weird balance thing in his head, and I'm not sure if that's you know. It, 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 but how do you do that and not be, not be labeled out of a serial? It's like oh, we just ran into a party full of archers. It's You're like, playing D and D. D and D is often adversarial, also yeah. especially in combat. And mm-hmm. mages are rare, so yeah, you're going to run into a bunch of bandits with bows because they don't have a mage. Yeah, they're much more, they're rare. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> much less rare than mages. The fact right. that you have three mages, or I'm sorry, they're not mages. They're three separate types of casters. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will fight you. Their heads all fall off just as easy. I will die on that hill. An accountant, (laughs) a statistician, and a mathematician. (coughs) Mages are easy. Thanks. But but yeah, I mean, they're much likely to have 30 archers than 30 spellcasters. Oh, sure. In the world. And mages do have ways of dealing with archers in that way, just they're going to run out of spells. Mm -hmm. Which is another thing, too. If you want your adversary, if you want the enemy to have mages and have to get into a mage duel one on one, great. Have your melee people go and kick that mage's ass while they're busy uh, counterspelling you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You have options. You have to find creative ways instead of just throwing magic at each other, fighting fire with fire. Like, get someone get the hose. Right. Yeah. Or it's D and D. Aren't there a couple of races that are very magic resistant? I'm elves. Elves are very good at resisting <coughs> compulsory Orcs spells. And dwarves, right? No. So. No. No. Dwarves are good at resisting poison. Okay. Yeah. I thought gnomes were. No. Anyway, I, the the I, I, or uh, ogres. Aren't they kind of magic resistance? You can't play. I mean, you can't play. No, no, no. no. My point being, have have something magic resistant attack their party because, like, one ogre, ogre magi, magi, or one ogre. And I'm. It's been a long time. I used to know this stuff. Uh, A bullet. I don't know. The bullets. Yes. (laughs) That was my friend's favorite uh, character because he. It's so ridiculous looking. It is. Anyway, the 
that's how you combat mages. You don't counteract them with mages of equal power. <coughs> that's just that's just dumb. That just becomes Harry Potter at that point. What you need is somebody who's like, you know, they, they, they cast a magic missile and they go, oh yeah, that's all the best you got. Here's uh, here's an arrow in your heart. Oh wait, there's four other people with more arrows coming right at you. Yeah, I got a quiver right behind me, full of them. Full of them. <laughs> how many spells you got? Oh, you're mage. one die four. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so exactly. I can go pick those up again and shoot them at you again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and while you're sleeping trying to b- remember your spells, spells for tomorrow, I'll go make 12 more arrows. Yeah. <laughs> right. Better yet, exactly. while you're sleeping, I'll come into your camp. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll come into your camp. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, one of the things uh, the chat room brought up in uh, kind of using Stu's example of how you came up with those spells to mm-hmm. counter your party, like the world learns, like as the party progresses, the world around them also advances and learns and reacts. Yeah. So if they become well known in the world, like, oh, there's those three spellcasters, like people are gonna start hearing about them. They're gonna know, oh, you know, they're really good at that type of magic. Let's, you know, if the king wants them ca- captured, he's gonna send people out there out there who know a little bit about these characters and are prepared to counteract them. Right. Yeah, that's so that's now. yeah, so that's not necessarily uh, like adversarial GMing so much as it's progressing the world in a realistic way Mm -hmm. because the more infamous or famous these characters get the more other people are going to know about them and know how what their weaknesses will be right after three or four tussles with superman who's going to find kryptonite exactly right that's that's the gunfighter going toe to toe this guy's not working i have to do something else that's the gunfighter analogy where everybody knows them everybody wants to duel them um, and some of them might go equal and some Mm -hmm. of them might just take a shot at you from the back i mean that's Mm -hmm. isn't that how um um, while Bill died, didn't he get shot in the head? Somebody, one of the famous gunfighters, literally Aces got, and eights. Uh, that was that's right. The dead, yeah, but dead uh, man's hand. Yeah, the dead man's hand. Um, <laughs> literally got shot when he wasn't prepared. It wasn't even a duel. Right, it like it was. A, it was over the card table. Uh, mm-hmm. And there, I think there's a couple others. It's, it's just they wanted that name. They wanted right. that fame. You know, and it's yeah. I could easily see your mages walking down the street after uh, you know four, five, six sessions a year or two of playing, and uh, some sniper. Yeah. I can't use He's got a knife. West Side Story leap sitting no, down. It's problematic. Yeah. And now, is hey, that adversarial? <laughs> is that adversarial? It would be adversarial if it just happened. I mean, I think you need to build that up. It's like, uh, yeah, you walk in and there's hushed tones and people are talking oh. about you. And you need to let the players know a couple of <coughs> sessions that you guys have got a name, man. You guys have got a buzz going yeah, on. The Murder yeah. Hobo Gang is in town. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and they're. And like I know we've talked about this, and this isn't really the point of the email, but oh, it can be. Like if they're murder hoboing, like there's consequences yeah. for that. Oh, right? sure. People don't trust them. Oh no, you oh, can't. Yeah. You know, you can't stay at our inn or whatever. You know. Oh, uh, you know. I heard the last inn you were in burned down because yeah. you guys got in a big fight. Uh, mm-hmm. No, you can't come in. Yeah, they may not let them in the city. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. So, uh, of course, the city guard may not be able to stop them. Right. <laughs> and that's a whole new branch of that right. adventure. Yeah. You don't even don't even have to plan. What do you mean they won't let us in the city? We're heroes. We're <laughs> yeah, the 20 people who died while you were saving that one kid really disagree with the fact that you're heroes. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> and they, they pulled together money together and hired a sniper. <laughs> uh, They've invented a, a gun just to shoot you. That was the... T- that was the Plot that's some spoilers of um. But maybe don't do it. Of the Sam, no, it's the okay. Sam Raimi movie. It's it's like a twenty year old movie oh, okay, uh, no, of no, Quake of the Dead, which is uh the, the town uh, and and also Unforgiven, which is the town hired, pulled their money together to hire a gunfighter to help them. I feel like that's like. Yeah, have you ever seen Return of the Living Dead Cowboys. Part Two? Return of the huh? What? Return of the Living Dead Part Two. 
a long time ago. That's the, I, a I think long if, time. If, if I'm remembering the, if I'm remembering the name and the sequel number correctly, that's that's got the best ending of any zombie film ever. Yeah, the city is nuked. Nice. Dust off and nuke it from orbit. <laughs> the, 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 well, that's the only way to be sure. It, it was a tactical nuke. It was a little one. Well. But yeah, they, 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 there's this <laughs> scene, a small nuke. <laughs> yeah, they, there's a barrel. <laughs> In the in this basement of a medical supply place that has a that has a zombie inside of it, and they accidentally break the glass on the thing, and it, the gas comes up, and the two guys who are down there end up turning into zombies. Send more paramedics. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was like a t- yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, we Return of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. I think and all the, the taxidermy. I remember the taxidermy cats. Wrong. Oh yeah, the half cats yeah. are alive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's it's nasty. Much. That's that's much. But on the on the really? barrel, like Return of the Living Dead Part Two, and you're surprised <laughs> that there's much in it. I'm just. I just. Well, I wasn't ready for half alive cats who were taxidermied. Oh yeah, half cats. Um, not ready for that. How but can the- you be taxidermied and become a zombie? That doesn't make sense. Worked well, on Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> They're zombies. I mean, Fair. It, it, zombies don't make sense. No, but you. No, that just really doesn't make sense. How can you already be dead and then become a zombie? Because I feel I mean, the point you have taxiderm- to die to become a zombie. No, no, but you have to be infected first and then die. You so if you're know. already dead and you're taxidermy, you can't be infected. I don't know. It, the The virus might be from Unless Venus. it's a magical zombie, in which case all rules right. different. Right. That's I because there's three casters in the party. This is right. why I yeah. <laughs> But anyway, on the barrel... Don't was cross the casters. We need to bring it back around. I like that. <laughs> on the barrel was an 800... No, you're not going to do that. On the barrel was an 800 number, and it says... In emergency, call this number. And so they go through the whole film, and they're running around <laughs> trying to kill these things, and they're running around. And finally, they're in the basement, and they're holed up, and there's thousands of zombies outside trying to get them. They look at it, and they're like, oh. We and they pick up the number. phone, and they call this number, and the, the number rings, uh, and some general is like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, what's, the, what's the address? Uh, okay, all right, thank you. Give me the president. Ah. And this is this is Reagan era. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Mr. President. Uh, hello, uh, are you there, sir? Uh, uh, no, no, this isn't Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> and, but anyway, he says, "I need authorization." Blah 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 blah. Gets the authorization. Then it's, it's some guy sitting inside of a tank. And all of a sudden, bzz, bzz, sir, yes, sir. And he starts punching numbers and stuff. And then you see that from the exterior, he's like. It launches, and then there's a mushroom cloud, and that's the end of the film. <laughs> See, what's funny about that is in that same episode, we're going South Park here. Just to bear with me, uh, where Kenny turns into a zombie after mm-hmm. being like um, embalmed or whatever. There's this whole thing because the Worcester sauce that someone is eating pours in the embalming fluid, which turns into a zombie. And there's a one hundred number on the back of the Worcester sauce label. It's an homage to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I thought totally. it was so stupid, like South Park joke. <laughs> no, I can't believe it's actually no. yeah. in a legit. Everything movie. they do has references. To no, of course, but I just that seems so out there. I can't believe it's an actual <laughs> reference to an actual movie yeah. that someone was paid actual dollars to make. And I think it's on Netflix right now. To be fair, that's like <laughs> it's worth mo- watching. It's very funny. <laughs> well, and to be fair, that's like the most logical way to end a zombie movie. Oh sure, because one hundred percent. Like if I were living in the world, like I'd rather you nuke that place, please. Even and of if course, it's it my doesn't place really it. end it because no, in during they the, have to have a third the credits, there's. Storm clouds come over and all of the ash goes uh, washes down on the on the the uh, cemeteries and such and they all start growing. Yeah, I played a con game, uh, the Gibran, and that's how it ended. Mm-hmm. Nuclear Holocaust. It was a zombie game too. Yeah, yeah. it works. Okay, are we done? I, uh, I that's think the last so. email. That's the last email. 
So yeah, I think, feel like we need to actually do the that contest now, though. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the text box, the text box yeah. text writing Great. contest. I think it's Amazing. a good idea. So we're gonna type it up. We're gonna do the thing, guys. Yes. Be ready. Thank you for joining us for season twenty-two, episode twenty of Happy Jacks Rupert Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Joey. I'm Stork. You know, and I have to say that okay. I was driving the other day and I heard the the, the Soviet national anthem playing. Right. And all I could do was sing along to your words. Isn't that awesome? And it really I is. love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll see you next uh, next Friday at seven PM Pacific time. I have it on my I have it on my phone. Does everyone have the Soviet national anthem on their phone? <laughs> Look at me, not, 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 uh, Thanks for watching and listening. We'll leave with a song. We love you. Bye. Okay, I lied. We're going to do the song live. All right. Can you hear it again? Of all the birds that ever I see, the owl is the fairest in her degree. For all day long, she sits in a tree, and when the night comes, away flies she. To wit, to woo, to whom drinks out her knave to thee. This song is well sung, and I make you a vow that he is a knave that drinketh now. Nose, nose, jolly red nose, and what gave me thy jolly red nose? Cinnamon and ginger, nutmeg and cloves, and that gave me my jolly red nose. I care for no fool whose purse is not full, and he that hath money I never find dull. And if he still has it when hence he doth go, I'll trample my tankard and never drink more. A rack, a rude to whom drinks out her knave to thee. This song is well sung, and I make you a vow that he is a knave that drinketh now. Nose, nose, jolly red nose, and what? Give me thy jolly red nose. Cinnamon and ginger, nutmeg and cloves, and that? Give me my jolly red nose. I'll not have a woman who's never been tried, but give me a wanton to lie by my side. And this I do use as a rule of my life, that wanton is best to use another man's wife. Cuckoo, cuckoo, to whom drinks thou, sir, knave, to thee. This song is well sung, and I make you a vow that he is a knave that drinketh now. Nose, nose, jolly red nose, and what? Give me thy jolly red nose. Cinnamon and ginger, nutmeg and cloves, and that? Give me my jolly red nose. Nose, nose, jolly red nose, and what? Give thee thy jolly red nose. Cinnamon and ginger, nutmeg and cloves, and that? Give me my jolly red nose. I'm warmed up now. Can we do it again? <laughs>